On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm rose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace! Be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was dead calm. He said to them, Have you still no faith? Why are you afraid? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let us bow for prayer. O God, open up our minds, open up our hearts. Open up our souls so that we might learn something today, so that we might hear something that we've not been able to hear before. All of this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I so vividly remember a vacation we took one summer when our sons Dave and Chris, who sings in the choir, were little. Dave was all of seven, and Chris was barely three. We had been driving all day, and we were very, very, very tired. We were in the middle of West Virginia on a very, very windy road, and then it began to rain. The thunderstorm seemed to come out of nowhere, thunder and lightning, and Chris began to scream. Now, when Chris was little, he had a scream that could shatter crystal. (laughs) Finally, Dave couldn't take the noise anymore. So he turned to Chris and he said, Chris, calm down. It's just like going through a car wash. Chris loved to be in the car, in a car wash. And guess what? It worked. He stopped screaming. Dave's quiet trust in the fact that his world was safe calmed Chris down. I understand that this has been the rainiest winter in California 
in how long? <laughs> Just reminds us of the fact that when it comes to the weather, you really don't know what to expect. That's what the disciples discovered as they took a nighttime boat trip across the Sea of Galilee. When they left shore, like this morning, the weather was lovely. But when the cool winds from the hills north of Galilee blow down and mix with the warm air that comes in from the Mediterranean Sea, that combination of warm air and cool air has a way of setting off some pretty bad storms in a very short time. And that's exactly what happened that night. A severe storm began to kick up. The wind started to blow. The disciples pulled against their oars, but they could make no progress. The waves began to splash into the boat. The disciples got out the buckets, but it just seemed like the water was coming into the boat faster than they were able to bail it out of the boat. And just like our son Chris, in that thunderstorm, the disciples began to panic. It was pitch black. No one would be able to see them and rescue them in the middle of the lake. They were in big trouble, and they knew it. And so the disciples did what most of us tend to do when we're in big trouble. They found someone else to blame. They blamed Jesus. After all, this boat trip was his idea. Why did he make them go across the lake so late at night? Why couldn't they have waited till morning? And above all, why was he sleeping? It seems in the Bible that God is always asking people to go somewhere. Jesus wanted the disciples to go to the other side of the lake. God told Abraham and Sarah to pack up their belongings and move to a land and a place they had never been before. God told the Hebrews in Egypt to get ready for a trip to a place they had never laid eyes on before. Jesus called on some fishermen to leave their nets and follow him. And the truth is that things don't always go easy when we follow where God calls us. After all, it took 40 years for the Israelites to make their way from Egypt to the Promised Land. The disciples also had their fair share of hard times following Jesus. Not only was their leader put to death on the cross, but they were afraid and they found out that there were people that wanted to kill them as well. We walk confidently in life most of the time, but when the winds start blowing and the boat starts rocking like the disciples, we may begin to panic. We too may wonder, is Jesus asleep? Does he not hear my aching prayers? And when in the middle of the night we toss and turn and feel so alone and finally cry out, could it be that God speaks to us in the silence? Could it be that it was necessary for Jesus to sleep so the disciples would be confronted with the inadequacy of their faith? Could it be that sometimes we are all in that same boat?
I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't kick the disciples out of the boat for waking him up and for being so weak and afraid. He doesn't go out searching for a more faithful crew. He doesn't condemn them for their doubts and their fears. He listens and he acts on their behalf. Did you ever watch a trapeze artist perform? At some point, every trapeze artist must let go of one bar and reach for another. For that split second, the performer is in midair, not holding on to anything. While the trapeze artist's timing must be perfect, the act will not succeed unless they have the faith to let go of that first bar. Most of us have trouble letting go. We're afraid to give up something comfortable for the unknown. We have to explore a new course of action very carefully before we'll part with the old. We would be perfectly fine if we could be a trapeze artist with our feet planted on the ground. But when we're called to climb that ladder, most of us would choose to be counted out. We hesitate to move out of our cozy cocoons. We even have a chair for those of us who like to live in our comfort zone. It's called a lazy boy. And yet Christ is continually calling us to move out of our comfort zones and to step out in faith. He's calling us not just to weather the storms, but to step out of the boat. We are to stand like David before Goliath, firm in our faith that God stands with us and that God will provide. The disciples woke Jesus up because they were so afraid. They not only woke him up, but they said to him, Don't you care about us? Jesus was the most loving and compassionate person that they had ever met, and yet they were questioning him. The disciples let their fears overwhelm them. What they wanted and needed was for Jesus to say or show how much he cared. We're all in that same boat. We want to know that Jesus cares about us. It's not enough to know that Jesus cares or that Jesus feels our pain. We want Jesus to do something about the storms in our lives. That's what Jesus did, that simple command, peace, be still. And all of a sudden, something happened that the disciples could scarcely believe. The waters calmed down, and the rains ceased. There's a story about a father who put his little girl to bed one night, and you know all the necessary ritual that has to go with putting a child to bed, right? Took a while, only to be called back into her room several times. Daddy! I want water. Daddy, I got to go to the bathroom. Daddy, this, daddy, that. Finally, he said, that's it. Go to sleep. I'm not coming in again. A few minutes later, he heard a blood-curdling scream from his daughter's room. 
He ran into her room and demanded to know what the problem was. I burnt my tongue, said his daughter. You burnt your tongue? How in the world did you do that? I licked the nightlight. Well, at least that little girl trusted that her father would solve the problem. Do we trust Jesus enough to calm down the storms of our lives? Do we give things over to Jesus, but then continue to cross our fingers, maybe even behind our back, just in case his line is busy that day, or he didn't pick up all his messages on his cell phone, or did we not even bother calling him because we didn't want to be put on hold and have to go through all those recorded messages to see if our situation was one of those that was covered? Whenever the doors of the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church were open, Ethel Lance was there. That was her home, said her niece, standing in the shadow of its soaring spire, tears streaming down her face. Many people felt that way about Mother Emmanuel, founded in 1818 by a free black shoemaker. The church stood as a beacon in a port city through which many legions of Africans passed on their way to slavery. Torched by angry whites after one organizer led a failed slave revolt, Emmanuel rose from the ashes to serve as a stop in the Underground Railroad, even as state leaders banned all black churches and forced the congregation itself underground. The current brick Gothic Revival building was a mandatory stop for leaders like Booker T. Washington or Reverend Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. But Emmanuel is not a church just for the black community, so when a young white man walked into the Bible study one Wednesday evening and asked for the minister, no one thought twice. Emmanuel's senior pastor, Reverend Clementa Pickney, invited the stranger to sit right beside him. He wanted him to feel home. He wanted him to feel comfortable, says Sylvia Johnson, the minister's cousin. Nothing to be fearful of. This is the house of the Lord, and you are welcome. But the visitor had not come to worship. He came to hate and to kill Reverend Clementa and Ethel Lance and seven other church members were about to die. The mass shooting at Emanuel Church in Charleston happened almost five years ago. As we think about this morning's gospel lesson, I'm struck by the horror of sanctuary lost. We all need to feel safe and secure. But the reality is that nowhere is completely safe. It's not a boat, not a school, not a workplace in Aurora, Illinois, not even a church. Even the places where God is supposed to be, even the places where God actually is, 
The disciples knew that their boat was in danger of capsizing. They knew in such a storm that the boat was not secure enough to carry them to the other side. That's why they called out to Jesus. They called out because they knew that they could. And Maybe sometimes that's all we can do, is to call out. Even in the places that we thought were safe, we call out. Why? Because in the end, we know that we are never alone. Not ever. The truth of what happened in Charleston is that evil finds its way in no matter what. But our truth is that God finds God's way out. God calms the storm. God rips apart the heavens. God slashed the treads, the the temple curtain. Why? So that the places and the spaces that we assumed were safe can actually be safe. A security known only because of the promise of God's presence. We like to think that we live in a post-racial world, but Charleston reminds us how false that assumption is. Prejudice is real, bias is real, racism is real. So what can we do? We can at least not, we can at least resolve not to contribute to the problem. We can resolve never to stereotype anyone, never to put someone in a category because of their race, or ethnicity, or gender, or any other reason. Every time we say, he's black, so he's, or she's Hispanic, so she's, he's Muslim, or gay, he's a man, she's a woman, so they are, we are reinforcing prejudice. We are saying to those who hear us, and sometimes it's our children, that stereotypes are okay, that bias is okay, that some people based on their skin color or their home country or their religion or their gender or their orientation aren't as good as we are, so they don't matter. And sooner or later, someone hears that message and decides to act on that message with violence. From very early in Christian history, The boat was a symbol of the church. The idea is that as a church and as individual Christians, we're all in the same boat. And we can count on the fact that there are times when we're going to get rocked by some rather stormy seas. The good news is that we have this gospel story to remind us that Jesus is with us in the boat and that he will see us through. In a similar way, some of the early Christians shaped the cross to look like an anchor. The idea was that Jesus is the anchor in our life. No matter what stormy winds might come against us, No matter what kinds of trouble might enter our lives, we can trust that Jesus won't let us get swept away. Don't be afraid to trust in Jesus. Jesus is waiting for you to surrender to him 
and to let you know how much you are loved. We're all in the same boat, and Jesus is in it with us. Amen.